Welcome to America's Top Rebbitsons. May this class be for Rufu Shalema, for Eliezer Raphael Leib Ben-Amuna, and also for Sarah Bat-Rus. This podcast is supported by Rivka Malka School of Coaching and Transformation. I recently graduated as a certified life coach from this amazing program, and it's online via Zoom, and it is life-changing on every level. Personally, the school teaches you how to step into your life purpose and become the person who you're always meant to be. It gives you essential life skills and it's incredible. I had a great experience and it really gives you the tools and techniques to help other people get unstuck from their negative behaviors and past circumstances and to truly move forward with their lives. The registration opens up twice a year and the next round of classes starts on July 25th. For more information, visit rifkamalka.com and I'll include that information in the description of the podcast. I'm very happy to have on today's show, Rebbits and Rick. Raquel Kirschenbaum. Ra- Raquel was born. Just go with Raquel. That's it. <laughs> Raquel. <laughs> Raquel was born in Venezuela and grew up in Panama. She went to study at Neve Yerushalayim College, and it was there that her passion for Judaism was really sparked. She became increasingly more observant and chose for, for herself a meaningful and fulfilling life in Torah Judaism. When she returned to Panama, Raquel began her career teaching Judaic studies at a local high school at the Midrasha Harev. Our first, our first higher Judaic studies school for women in Panama. She has developed her career extensively, teaching Judaism to people from all paths of life and becoming an internationally sought after speaker. She has spoken in the United States, in Chile, Argentina, Mexico, Costa Rica, and at the Sinai and Daba conference in South Africa. After she got married in 2011, Raquel made Aliyah, settling in Jerusalem, where she now lives with her family. Wow, you have quite a journey. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Uh, so thank God I live in Israel in the neighborhood of Harnov. I teach uh, all around Jerusalem, but mainly in Neve Jerusalem, which is a um, college uh, Torah study for women. Uh, I teach all women from 18 to later. I'm also, thank God, uh, blessed to be a trip leader for Momentum, which is um, the trip for mothers. And um, I also work for a lot of organizations, do a lot of things. Uh, teach uh, Q college programs all over the place. And uh, I'm a mother of four gorgeous children. Uh, each one of them is a, it's a miracle on themselves and I'm very blessed. And, uh, you know, I try to do my best every day and, <laughs> and make it, you know, grow through life. What can we say? Baruch Hashem, I know. I totally understand. I'm right there with you. <laughs> And you have so much Torah knowledge to share, and you truly have such a fun and engaging way of sharing it. So I know we're going to have a great time today, and we are also going to learn a lot. So let's dive in. We are living in a world that is complete chaos. People who once had a feeling of safety are now feeling scared. Anxiety and depression are on the rise. Parents and children are fighting. Husbands and wives are arguing. And for many people, life is upside down. I want to bring up a topic that is on the minds of so many people today. If God wants me to be happy, why do I have to go through so much pain and suffering? Can you please talk to us about how we can effectively overcome the pain and challenges of life so that we don't get swallowed up by our suffering? Wow, there's so many questions in that one question, you know. Um, First of all, we have to talk about what is our definition of happiness? Is happiness for us to just be comfortable, to have what we want or what we think we want? You know, so then maybe if that is our definition of happiness, then it makes sense that a lot of us are not happy. And all of the challenges are things that we have to get rid of, right? Because they are blocking and being an obstacle in the way for us reaching our goal. Um, I always say that the definition of our society of happiness is comfortable equals pleasure equals happiness. You know, 
we think that if I'm going to be more comfortable, then my life is going to be that much more amazing. And I'm going to just have so much more pleasure out of life. But we really learned that that's not really how it goes. You know, it's funny that you're mentioning all of the anxiety and depression because we really are the generation. I mean, I'm already older, but this is the generation with the most comfortable, abundant, you know, style of living, everything that, you know, people never dreamed of having people have now. And this is that generation where everyone suffers from anxiety and depression. And, you know, I also say like, people are gluten-free and lactose intolerant. So you can't even eat a cookie to make you happy. Exactly. exactly. But really the the Torah equations for happiness is completely different. You know, it's really pain equals pleasure, which will equal happiness. It's not a comfortable equal pleasure, but rather pain equals pleasure. You know, if you take like a basketball player, anything you want, and you put him to play against like a five-year-old, they're going to win every single shot. Are you going to think they're amazing? Of course no. You know, you're just going to think, whatever, they're not being challenged. They're not even going to enjoy that game because there's no challenging. So what is the point of everything, right? Um, so we understand that it is the challenge. It is the confrontation that allows for the pleasure to be able to come, to even, you know, start with. Um, and that's a topic on its own. I don't know if we're going to dive into it or what, but I will tell you that Number one, we came into this world in order to have a relationship with God. If I wouldn't have challenges, if everything would go my way, then I would just not need to develop a relationship with God because then I wouldn't have to work on my emuna. I wouldn't have to work on my trust. I wouldn't have to work on my faithfulness. I wouldn't have to work on including God into my life at all. You know, people always say, I want to know. I want to know. I always say, if you have knowledge, then that's called knowledge. That's not called emuna. Emuna is that place of not knowing, is that place where I have to jump, where I have to be in a complete place of unknowns so that I can trust in God. So that's one of the, the points that you were making there is you can't really have a relationship with God if you wouldn't be in a place of unknown. Because how do I develop that trust? How do I develop that relationship? That is exactly by having to be in a place where I say, well, uh, hold on you know, hold me tight and take care of me and, you know, catch me if you can, right? Um, But then before I talk about what is the definition of happiness and everything, I do want to say that if we understand this, then everything changes in our perspective because we can think we know what the plan is and we know what would make us happy and we know what is our goal in life. But all of the time that you're in control, then your control limits you by definition because you don't really know of where to go except for what you know. You don't really know what's out there except for what you know. And therefore all of the time that I wanna be in control, that I wanna be in charge, what I'm really doing is that I am taking God out of the equation, which means there's no more surprises. There's no more expanding. I can't expand from little Raquel and whatever plans she had in life. But when God comes and I invite him in, and that's a completely different story because now I can really have, you know, a, a much bigger buffet of what could be waiting for me in life. Um, so I didn't answer all of the questions yet, but I don't know uh, if we should continue or, you know, if, if you want to touch any of those points. But um, tell me what you're thinking. Well, I was thinking because, you know, I, I love what you said about Amuna, And I think that people are really struggling. Now people are really, really struggling with Amuna. A lot of people are saying, you know, where is God in the world? All these things are happening. All, you know, 
everything that's happening with terrorism, everything that's happening with the environment, everything that's happening with, with, with the financial crisis, at least in the United States, you know, there's stuff going on. Where is God? Why isn't he here? People want, people want to see him already. You know, it, it, they're really having a trouble developing their Amuna. So maybe if you could talk a little bit about go deeper into Amuna and how people can really strengthen their own Amuna so they can really face these situations head on without falling into that depression. The financial crisis is only in America because in Israel, we're used to it. You know, this is how we live. Every single day of the uh, you know, but when you say that, it's actually funny because uh, not to diminish anything that anyone is going on or what's going on in the world, but when did we not have so many things happening all of the time, you know? But I'll tell you what, what was different. I think that in the past, people understood the value of hard work, the value of having to wait, the value of having to accept. And nowadays we live in a society in which number one, our society is very entitled. And number two, you know, I'm gonna say this, I hope no one gets mad, right? But uh, we're very spoiled by life. And I was just in America and I was in LA and look, I love America, uh, it's super fun, but I always say I would never live in America, you know? And I was actually teaching a class on anxiety and fear and all of these things. And I was saying that the whole world makes it that how should you not suffer of anxiety and all of these things. I'll tell you why, especially when you go to America, there's like a thousand flavors of soda. So you know what happens? True. And if there's not a thousand flavors of soda. You can go to a machine that can create any flavor of soda you want. Yes. So I know this sounds funny, but what I'm going to say, it's very deep. You know what it teaches society? It teaches society that what you want should always be available to you. And you shouldn't have to work very hard for it. And you are entitled to get what you want. And in a sense, it makes a very spoiled society. We are spoiled from the moment that we're born in which we expect things to constantly go our way and for the world and for everyone else to always satisfy our needs. So I don't really know if things are that much worse. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But what I do know is we don't have the patience and the tolerance and the understanding to know there's a behind plan because I don't want to know any plan. I just want to do my plan. You know, it's like Red Hot Chili Papers said back then, you know, it's my way or the highway. That's right. <laughs> this is how people live these days. It's yes. either my way or there's no way, right? So what happens is that if we would understand that there's a God that's running the world, then I would have the patience to see it. But the thing is, if I have to have the patience, then I cannot be in control. If I cannot be in control, then I don't get what I want. So then you get into this vicious cycle of, Really, why should I have a God when I want to be the God, when I want to be the one in control, when I want to run the world the way that I really want? You know, a lot of people always say that, what is a Muna? You know, it's funny because if there's someone sick and people are davening and they say, I have a Muna. What's the, the line they're implying? They're implying, I have a Muna that they will be healthy. Our definition of a Muna is, I know it's going to end up the way yeah. I want. Right, right. You know, it's yes. funny because... We say Emuna is God, but really we're saying, no, no, no. It's going to be the way that I want. Right. Emuna means it's going to be the way that God wants, and it's always good. And God can do anything. And therefore, if he's choosing to do it in a certain way, that's good. Whether I see it or not, it doesn't really matter because I'm not the master of the world. I don't run the world. You know, I teach a, a lot about the 13 principles of faith. And I always say that the Rambam always says, people want to know everything, but the Rambam says, if you would know everything that God knows, you would have to be fill in the blank. God. God. You're not God, so you're not going to know. And therefore, what's really a Muna? A Muna is understanding that there's someone that runs the world and he's in control. You know, I always say in my classes, you know, with different things that happened to me in my life, that so many things in my life, I said to God, you know what, God, 
you're in charge, make it happen. You know, with even like something like, I got married and I wanted to have kids, right? And it didn't happen at the time I wanted. So at one point I said, I caught myself saying, hold it, God, I'm trusting in you and you're not giving me what I want. And what about you're giving everyone else what they want and they don't trust in you. And then I stopped and I said, Raquel, if you're trusting in God, it means that he should give you what he wants when it's the right time and that you should trust that he's giving you what it needs to be at the right time. So listen to the line I always say, we trust in God, but only as long as he's doing what I want. Right. Only as long as his plan is working with my plan, yes. right? That's mm-hmm. not Ebuna. <laughs> Ebuna is, I trust in your plan. And if I'm giving myself into your hands, then I'm saying, I'm gonna sit back and relax and understand that your plan is not my plan. And that's fine. And you know, again, this could take me like five hours. I am not professional in the topic of Emuna, but I've had to work a lot on my Emuna during the years. And I always say, you know, God doesn't give you what you want, but he does give you what you need. And you have to understand that. But in order to do that, I have to sit back. And therefore let's change our definition of Emuna. God is sufficient. God is everything and God can do everything. And therefore if he's not choosing to do what you want is because that's not what's good. And that's not what you need. And what if, that's what I want. Well, but what do you know what you want? You know, if you have a four-year-old and he's lactose intolerant, he wants chocolate. Is it good for him to have chocolate? Of course not. You know, he can have part of chocolate, but not regular chocolate, right? And therefore, sometimes my vision is so limited that I don't even know what I want because I don't even know what I should have because I don't understand the difference. I just see everyone has chocolate, everyone has this, everyone has that. And that's what I want. That's on an individual level. And if we're going to talk about a communal, worldly level, then we really do have to be honest. It makes sense that the world is on chaos. Why? Because we live in such an entitled generation that we have just completely taken God out of the picture. And therefore, God comes in and says, hey, what's up? Remember me? You know, I think that's the message that God is trying to say over and over again, louder and louder. You know, I mean, if you think about COVID in one second with something insignificant, he revolutionized the world. Yes. You know, when, when COVID came out, I really thought about Titus, you know, Tito. I don't know how you call him in English. Yes. That yes. he thought he's the king of the world. So what did God do? He put a tiny insect in his head. You think you're the king of the world? So I think it makes a lot of sense. It's painful, but it makes a lot of sense. Because as the Gemara says, right, when Mashiach is going to come, God has to take you to that place that you have no one to rely upon except for God. And all of the time that you can rely on your economic situation, on your safety net, on your relationships, on, on everything that's, you know, that America, the land of dreams, you know, it's funny because it's called Top American Rebeting. It's good because I'm not a Rebeting and I'm also not American. So you're going to have to change the title. <laughs> but, uh, since it's called for Americans, I'm, I'm talking to American audience, right? But um, it makes sense, right? It makes sense that this is a message that God wants to say specifically to those trusting so much on the system and thinking this is a land of the dream. This is what's going to take us where we need to be. Right. It's so important. You know, I love everything that you're saying because it's true. It's true. We want, we want what we want when we want it. And usually we want it now. It's instant gratification, right? We want it right now. It reminds me of a song. What? I want what I want and I want it now. <laughs> That's right. Yes, yes, yes. I remember that song. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Is it exactly? But I love, you know, the most, the most important thing, like this, this nugget you just said is like a golden nugget. It was God doesn't always give you what you want, but he always 
gives you what you need. And that's so important for us to remember because we don't, we don't know the big picture. Like you were saying with the four-year-old who's lactose intolerant, if he has a milk chocolate, he's going to have a stomach ache, he could get sick. Who knows what could happen? You know, his, his body can't process the milk, but he doesn't understand. So it's the same thing with us. Even as adults, we're not God. We have no idea what the bigger picture is. Like we really don't know. And sometimes we're davening so hard. Sometimes we're praying so hard for something to happen, whatever it is that we want to happen. And we really think that it's the right thing. Like we're, we're davening with good intentions, like really, really good intentions. But whatever we're davening for, it might not be right for us in the long run. We may not understand why it might make no sense to us why Hashem won't give us this particular thing because we think it's the most amazing thing. And but because we can't see the picture, we have to have a Muna and we have to trust in God because God can see the big picture and he knows what's good for us. So it's very, very important. But, but on that golden nugget that you just said, um, it's not only that God gives you what you want, it's what you need. It's just sometimes you, what, you, what you need is painful sometimes, you know? Because, oh, yeah. You know, I have a whole example on the goodie bag that I'm not going to say right now, but I say, you know, if your kid cannot have chocolate, then, you know, or, or you're going to give him carrots and he doesn't like carrots, but that's what he needs. And sometimes what we need, it's also painful. Right. But to get what we want would be even more painful because then it would be, you know, destroying it. It would be, you know, really dangerous for us. And that's also what we have to understand. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. And so we spoke a lot about pain and suffering, but now I want to talk about the flip side of the coin, about the other side of the coin, which is happiness. We have a mitzvah in the Torah to serve Hashem besimcha, to serve God with happiness. And we are commanded to be happy always, all the time. And so how is this possible? Can you please talk to us about this mitzvah and give us some practical strategies so that we can achieve a state of happiness? Maybe if not all the time, then maybe most of the time. So then we would have to go back to what we skip, which is what is the definition of simcha? Because um, after everything we said, it really comes in perfectly. You know, the Torah tells us that the dif definition of simcha, actually in Hebrew, the word for simcha has the same root as the word meche, which means to erase. And I always say, what is the connection between happiness and erasing? So listen to this. This is not a nice, nice line. No one is going to like it. But I say, to the degree that you erase your ego, your need to understand, your demand and your expectation, to that degree, you will be happy. So let me tell you a new definition for Simcha. Simcha is acceptance, not conformist. It's very different. Conformist is like, life is not good, but whatever. You know, this is what you get. Like, <laughs> no, acceptance is, it is what it is. It is what it is. God runs the world. It is what it is. Stop trying to change it. Stop trying to fight it. Embrace it. And therefore, I could be in any situation in life. It doesn't matter how much of a painful situation it is. And I could still be happy because I can accept the situation as what I need and what I need to be going through. And even if I don't understand it, I don't need to understand if I deserve it or not. I can accept it. That's very different. And therefore, once I have a moon and I understand that God is running the world, you know, it's actually the same thing. I was teaching a class the other day and I was teaching about the way of the righteous. And I was saying that Orchot Sadikim has all of the gates of character traits people should develop. It has agility, forgetfulness, um, forgiveness, anger, humility, whatever you want. But if you ever open up Orchot Sadikim, you'll find something amazing, which is it has no Shara Emuna. It has no gate of Emuna. And I was like, really? Because that's pretty funny. Because, you know, if there's something that's really Jewish, it's Emuna. How could it be there's no Shara of Emuna? Because Shara of Emuna is actually included in Shara Simcha. Your happiness is directly proportional to your emuna. It's exactly the same thing. 
The more that I live with God, the more that I will be happy. The more that God runs the world, the more that I will be happy. And it functions on the other side, which we're not going to talk about, which is anger, depression, and everything. And I'm only talking about happiness right now. But that's why, you know, there's a famous pasuk that says, if do et Hashem besimcha, if do et Hashem besimcha, serve God with happiness. And our sages teach us, besimcha is the same word as machshava, with thought. So a lot of people understand this as the way to serve God with happiness is put consciousness and attention into what you're doing. But a different way of understanding it, all of your happiness is dependent on one thought. Ain't not me level. There's no one else for God. And I'm here with God. And really, when you learn how to live with God, which means, again, I'll go back to the same word, acceptance, right? This is it. So then you could be happy. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Because I understand, you know, the reason why we're not happy is because we don't accept what we're going through. You know, actually, it's funny because in Hebrew, the word peace, shalom, it's also part of the word ashlama, to be, to be at peace with, right? When I am, and it also means shalem, to be full with something. When I am full with a certain idea, then I could be at peace with the idea. And then I could be shalem. I could be full, complete myself. So not accepting a problem means it's coming from a place of ego. It's coming, and by the way, I have this all of the time, right? I'm just the one teaching the class, so I sound nicer. But, you know, um, we have this thing of like, but why me? But how could this be happening? Where is that all of that coming from? That's not coming from intimacy. I want to learn. I want to get closer to you. No, that's coming from like, if I was good, I would do something else. Right. You know, it's coming from a complete place of ego and control. Completely. So you let go of that. So then this is what God wants. So now how can I work with this? How can I be better? How can I grow? And that takes you to every single other upgrade that you can ever take in your life. So that's the first thing. So, you know, the first thing, you know, it's like all psychology say, right? Nowadays, it's not the issue. It's your issue with the issue, you know? It's not the problem, but it's your attitude towards the problem. It's your understanding of the problem. It's your lacking of acceptance of the problem. Because you can see two people have the same life, the same situation, or the same parents. And they both end up very different. Why? Because of their attitude, which is a whole other one-hour class, right? But um, that's the first point that I would say. And once we get that definition of happiness correct, then um, it changes a lot of things for us. Happiness means acceptance. This is it. I'm going to stop fighting it. I'm going to grow with it. That's so beautiful. And I appreciate you clarifying because we really needed clarity because people have that different definition of happiness. You know, 10 cars, a beautiful house, lots of money in the bank account, beautiful clothes, lots of vacations, people's um, definitions of happiness, acquiring more and more material, material objects. You know, people think that that will make them happy, but that's not it. At the end of the day, after everything is said and done, that's not it. And I love the way you said happiness is acceptance. Whether you have all those things, the mansion and the clothes and the cars, or you don't, you can still be happy either way, which is such a concept. You know, it's really, really such a concept. And it comes from acceptance. I love that. But I mean, I, I feel like even when you're saying this, so people are going to be like, no, but what I want is not superficial. No, I also want a nice marriage. I also want nice kids. I also want health. I also want, I also want. Of course. But when we understand what's going on, then we understand you can still have these things and not be happy. Why? Because you can still say, but it could be better. But I could have, but I could have done something else. You know, I was saying that um, I just taught my daughter how to play Romy Cube. She's now almost seven, but she learned when she was six. So sometimes she cheats, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so she says, mommy, I'm going to mix it. And then I'm going to take the pieces. And, and then when you come, it will all be ready. So I noticed that every time she mixes, well, when I come, she always have the happy faces. I don't know how you call them, the joker. So it's funny because I don't let her win. I think she should learn. 
And a few times she has lost. She's also very good. She's very smart. So a few times she has won, but a few times she has lost. And um, I started thinking, you know what? It's amazing because even with the two jokers, she still lost. You know, people think if only, if only, if only, and we're not really talking about material. Obviously material is not going to give you pleasure, but there's also people that have amazing, you know, emotional and spiritual circumstances and they're still not happy, right? Why? Because we think if only, if only, if only, if only. So I'm saying you can have the joker in life and still not be happy, right? Because wisdom is not, you know, having all of the cards that you want for your game is getting whatever cards you got and knowing how to play them. You know, if you're playing Catan and you have all of the six and the eights, well, it makes sense that you should win. You know what's pathetic? That some people don't even win with all of the six and the eights. Some people don't even win with all of the jokers. But let's forget about those. I can't guarantee what cards I'm going to get in life. You know, people always say to me like, oh, I shouldn't be challenged. And I'm like, people, I'm real. You will be challenged. It's not a matter of when. It's, a ma it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. When God doesn't challenge you, it means he gave up on you. And that's, again, very big idea. You will be challenged. Wisdom is knowing how to play with whatever cards I have in my life, with whatever comes my way. It's how to use my challenges, how to, how to grow from my challenges, how to learn from them. But um, again, so even if we're saying it's not the material, fine, that's not what I want. It's okay. No, you know, you still do want a lot of other things that you yes. feel that's why it's not happening for you. So even if those things are good, important things, health, relationships, you know, whatever you want, security, even then you can still have the joker and still not be happy, you know? So um, that's a very important thing. I love it. Thank you. I really, really appreciate you bringing up that point because that's such an important point. Sometimes it's not just the material, the material things that we want. Sometimes it's the spiritual things that we want too. And we could still not even be happy, you know, with those things. So thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, I just want to take it a little bit deeper, just a little notch deeper because we talked about Amuna and now I want to bring Bitahon into the picture. So can you tell us how we can maybe couple that the Bitahon and the Amuna together to really, really, really help us accept what Hashem has for us? It's funny because a lot of people, uh, you know, there's a very big debate on the Rambam. Uh, what's Emuna? What's Bitajon? Most people think Emuna is an idea, Bitajon is put into practice. But actually, the Rambam says that what we call Emuna and Bitajon, Emuna is the highest level. Emuna is the highest level. You know, that's why, by the way, Emuna comes from the word Ima, you know, mother, because just as you rely on your mother and you know she will provide, and you're, you're, you're it's the same thing. So, really, Bitajon, you know, if we want to talk about the wording and whatever, you know, is the, the same thing. But someone that really has a Muna, they live with Bitajon. You know, a Muna is having enough knowledge to allow me to be carried to that which I don't know. A Muna is not blind faith and it's not just faith from the mouth out. You know, a Muna in Hebrew comes from the word Imud, which means training, right? It also comes from a bunch of other words. But, um, I always say, what is a Muna? You know, if you start going to the gym and you've never lifted up weight, you're not gonna run into 40 kilos because you could die, right? But if I've been lifting 35 kilos for a long time, then I could jump into 40. Now, let me ask you, do you know if you can carry 40? Of course you don't know, but I know enough to know that I can carry 40. And I always say, a Muna is, I know enough to know that I know. I don't know how I know, but I know that I know. You know, that's actually what a Muna is. And then for the more that I learn about God and the more that I practice and the more that a Muna is not faith, it's faithfulness. It's not, 
it's loyalty. It's I have that, which even at the hard times, I can hold on to because I have such a bank of knowledge, such a bank of trust that I'm ready to make the jump. You know, that's actually what a moon is. So that is practiced by having to practice bitachon, which is when you don't know, have security, bitachon, that God will protect you. So the more that I have bitachon, the more that I develop real emuna. You know, so I would say emuna is the first step, but it's also the last step. Emuna is when you get there, you know, um, and you have that faithfulness. So the way that we practice this is by, you know, accepting major control and letting go of our need to be in control and, you know, just um, understanding when we're in a situation that makes us uncomfortable, let's hold it. Let's see. Let's have patience, you know? Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's I love it. And I love the way that Emuna and Bita Hong go together. And it's just, they really go together so beautifully. But the, at the end of the day, the crux is Hashem is in control. Hashem is in charge. And that's where it is. That's ain't old Milvado. The buck stops here. There's only God. And, the, and there's nothing else. And accepting him and his will is what's going to get you happiness. So, but, you know, but I, I do want to say for anyone that's listening to is that it's not like you just get there because I said these things, you know, no, I, it takes a lot of practice over time. I always for say sure. for sure. I always say in my life, what I do is I like to have my, what I call my Emuna savings account. You know, I always say like, if, if you were living from paycheck to paycheck and then Corona hit, you were doing really bad on the bank, you know, because you were now in negative. Yes. A lot of people live on a Muna from paycheck to paycheck, you know, enough to get them through the month. You have to have a savings account so that when you're not doing so well, you can yes. withdraw and hold yourself. There's different ways of doing it. I have a lot of personal ideas that they hold me up when I'm falling, but there are very simple ways of doing it. Like, you know, I always say like, whenever I'm down in God, I feel like a shame, you know, answers me and he like slaps me on the face and he's like, ah, so did you forget I was here? Did you forget I have a plan? Yeah. Take all of those times you know, and journal them on your head or even in writing, if you want, of all of the times that you thought, what the heck is going on or what does he want from me? And then suddenly, yeah. not only did it work out, it was a magnificent plan. And, you know, look at how everything is run without you and in functions. And by the way, we, we have this every week. It's called Shabbat. That's the purpose of Shabbat, to feed on your moon and everything like that. So, yes. you know, I, I want everyone to know that it's, it's hard work. Yes. And it's, so Emuna is not something that you either have or you don't have. You know, because no, something is developed for sure. Yes. And I challenge people all of the time because I say, you know, uh, do you believe in God? And people always say, yes, of course I believe in God. So I say, so then why are you worried about who you're going to marry? If you can pay the bills, you believe in God, God can do anything. So I always say, Muna is something that you can always keep on going. You know, it's not the same to pass an exam with 60 or to pass an exam with 80 or to pass an exam with 100. The incredible thing with the Muna is you don't understand what living with the Muna is unless you have it. Because no one can understand what, what Emuna is and, 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 and how can anyone live with that trust unless you've had to apply it. Because it's a level of, of clarity, of giving up, of um, canceling yourself that unless you've been there, you don't really know how it works. So you can always rise up higher and higher and higher. And um, yeah, it only comes from having to work constantly on Emuna. So we go back to our first point, which was the unknown. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. And I just have one last question because I'm looking, we're running out of time soon, but I have one last question. Um, you've had so many interesting and pivotal experiences in your life. You've, you've been in so many different situations and had so many unique challenges. So can you please share with us a story or two about how you personally have come to achieve a place of inner peace and happiness in your life? 
<laughs> I don't know if you achieve that and then it stays with you. I think uh, it's constantly shaking. There's always earthquakes and, you know, uh, so I get that. Work into it and then you, you get challenged again. You know, one of my favorite lines that I always say is uh, King Salomon drives the wise one into a fool. You know, pain is hard and everyone thinks they're wise until you're challenged. And, you know, the rabbis say, what is pain? Pain is like hot coal. You can hold it into your hands, but you can't keep it for long because then you get burned. Um, so I had a lot of uh, experiences, as you said, but, um, you know, there's so many things that, that I could say, but um, I'll tell you what, you know, when I was, um, all of my children, Baruch Hashem are miracles and all of my children are IVF. I won't talk about why I say this out loud, but let's just say it's a taboo. And uh, I feel people feel very lonely and, um, I decided after my second child, which was a miracle on her own and everything around her was on her own, that I would talk about this loudly and that people shouldn't be embarrassed. It's a challenge. But anyways, you know, that's a topic on its own. But, um, you know, to make the story short, when I was doing IVF for my first child, um, so I had a lot of hormones and I almost ended up getting this herbal sickness that your uterus, it's like bloated. I don't want to go into details. Um, so then when I was trying for my second one, so they didn't give me almost any hormones because they were afraid that that would happen to me. And like a woman that has this kind of pain, she like, if she gets pregnant, she like has an abortion because she can't deal with the pain. Oh. And if she doesn't get pregnant anyways, it's just that painful that you can't live. So Baruch Hashem, I didn't suffer, but I was on the line and I had a lot of pain. So the second time they didn't give me any hormones. To make the story short, I only had one egg, which in IVF is like a failure. Because if that egg doesn't work, it's like, you know, they like call the parents, they sit you down to tell you this. And I was really annoyed. I remember thinking, you know, like I, I was telling the nurses, like, how could they do this to me? I went through all of this process. No one should ever know, but it's a very difficult process. And how could this happen? And the Israeli nurse that's looking at me, I, I go, I get a little bit like cuckoo and I have full anesthesia. So uh, <laughs> she looks at me and she, she's not from, but she says to me, Rachel, tiragi, Hashem Rachel, Kal, God only needs one egg. This is what she said to me. God only needs one egg. And those words pierced into my heart, into my brain. And I was like, really? God only needs one egg. What am I doing here? You know, I'm just doing my statute. Like, apart from that, I'm not doing anything. God could make it that I have no uterus and I get pregnant if that's what he wants, you know? But, um, and it was funny because at that moment I knew, it's not I thought, it's not I felt, I knew I was going to be pregnant. I got into this point that I was just like, this is happening. And then, you know, it was a whole process. I had to go get checked much more times. And then, you know, I, I won't even tell you all of the story, but I had a pregnancy and I had a virus and they wanted me to have an abortion. And I was, the whole time, the doctors kept on telling me because they kept on calling me and, you know, asking me, uh, what am I doing with the situation? Because I had a virus that if you get this virus, whatever. And I was like, Hashem doesn't need, Hashem is not in statistics. Hashem is not in mathematics. I don't care what any one of you think. And the doctors would tell me you're giving us a Muna classes. And it's funny because with my next pregnancy, you know, I also had a circumstance and the doctor would give me all of these exams he wanted me to. And I was like, doctor, I'm not doing any, any of this stuff. I trust in God and it's going to be fine. And I'm not going to get nervous for something that I don't need to get nervous for because until they're born anyways, you know, like they were twins, you know? And the doctor was like, wow, he would take the pages, cut them and be like, I know with you is just, uh, a, how do you say a protocol? And he would throw them out. And um, so with my kids are a very big place where I've just felt like, Hashem, you're the one and it's going to be fine. Um, and then I've had this a lot of times in my life where, you know, I sort of, the more that I give up, 
And I said, you know what, God, I don't know what's going on. Just surprise me. You know, the more, uh, you know, I, I, I had a podcast with Meaningful People and, you know, I told them my story with my second child, with that, this child that shouldn't have been, the one egg, and my husband down and the whole thing. And, uh, you know, it was uh, the night I was in the hospital, I was like going Google, you know, I blocked in Facebook. I said, Hashem, please, you know, I don't, I don't really block so much, but I don't know why I needed to share this. Don't let this like loss and try it. Don't let me see the good. And I was like, you know what? You have a plan. And I went to sleep that night and I said, you know what, Hashem, if this is what he wanted for my baby, if this is, she must have such a big soul and I'll accept it. And I mean, if you see the podcast, I woke up to find the really special news. And I found this many, many times, even, you know, like a few months ago, my, my porch fell apart. In the middle of the night, my husband wakes me up and he goes like, Raquel, I think the porch just fell, you know, in Israel, we call it the Mirpesa, which is the whole porch, all of everything just fell apart. And um, I'll go to him like, don't wake me up. You know, if I get woken up, I, I don't sleep ever again. So I was like, if you wake me up, I'll kill you, you know? So in the morning, I remember that he woke me in the middle of the night and I was like, my husband is very dramatic. Probably nothing happened. He heard a boom. So I go to a porch and I look and I'm like, Shemaisa, what happened here? Like a tsunami. You don't understand the whole thing, all of the electricity, everything like, and I was like, really Hashem? Like, I can't fix this at the moment. It would cost me like $30,000, you know, $20,000, $30,000. I, I don't have this money now. And then I said to myself, you know what? Maybe Hashem wants to give me a new porch. You know, maybe it's going to happen. And I thought my husband called the insurance and he said, our insurance doesn't cover this. It's a basic insurance. And I was like, you know, you know what? Don't say no, just call them, like whatever it was. To make the story short, not only did the insurance cover it, which they shouldn't have, they covered an upgraded porch. So I, I find in my life that whenever I say, you know what, I'm open. I always say this, let it go and let it go. That's the only way that God could surprise you. And with so many things, you know, much bigger things that I can't really share in public. But um, <laughs> then I find that uh, God says, you know what? You trust me? Let me make it up to you. You know, it's like God says, you think I can do something big? Now I'm going to make it big. And in, um, I have an amazing prayer class and an amazing prayer series. And one of the lines that I always say, you know, which um, it, it takes a, a bunch of classes to explain this. But I just want to say this line is God is as limited as you think he is. And as powerful as you make him. A hundred percent. Yes. God is as limited as you think he is and as powerful as you make him. Don't limit God. You know, don't limit him. Emuna means your belief in God is what activates God's power to reveal himself in your life. And therefore, you know, God, I'll, I'll say this again, you know, your belief in God is what activates God's ability to be revealed in your life. And therefore, you know, Press the on button, pull down the window and let him come in the hallway. I love that. I love that. And I just, just even the, the thought of not limiting God, just, I mean, he is, he's unlimited, whatever you want, whatever you could think of, even things that you can't even conceive of Hashem is possible. Hashem can do it. it the possibilities are, are endless. And I love it that with Amuna, you can make yourself a vessel to receive all of Hashem's blessings. And that in itself is super powerful. Even more than that, you know, which now all of the non-Jewish world and Jewish world is into this. But with Emuna, not only do you make yourself a vessel, you make a you make yourself a co-producer, a co-creator with God, something else. But that's you know a topic for a different day. But nowadays people call it manifestation, whatever you want it. But this is all Jewish, okay? With Emuna, not only do you make yourself a vessel, you become the production company with God of the movie of your life. Oh, so beautiful! So, yes. 
So beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Raquel, for joining us on America's Top Robinsons. We loved having you here. And we hope that the learning we did today would be for Rufu Shalema, for Eliezer, Raphael, Leben, Amuna, and also for Sarah Bet Barus. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you.